across the world where you're watching this is purple soy 22 and styled pigeon on the second episode of gingerly did you not love that intro video let's go. oh my gosh i'm so excited about it. it it sounds good it looks good it's so clean i'm so happy with the work they did it's awesome and this background video too man look at this i, I was just saying i'm going to be so distracted <laughs> watching the bitcoins float across the screen um but yeah big shout out to our friends at roundly x um they're the ones that sponsored the graphics and the video and all that cool stuff um, so yeah, we're sponsored by RoundlyX. This is Gingerly, a Bitcoin live show. Um, RoundlyX.com, like I said, is our sponsors. Um, they are a simple to use app that allows you to purchase Bitcoin and other digital assets with your spare change automatically anytime you swipe your card and make a purchase. Uh, the set it and forget it DCA or dollar cost averaging tool helps you build wealth safely and conveniently over time. And it helped me pay off my Subaru in a time of financial stress during the pandemic. So check them out, RoundlyX.com. How you doing today, Style Pigeon? I'm really excited to dive in. I'm so excited to dive in. Um, I think we're talking a little bit about Web3 today, if I actually read all of the uh, promotional stuff <laughs> that was going out this week. Yeah, um, what you should know about Web3. Since we're only doing this every other uh, week right now, it's actually something that's comes at me a lot faster than I think it would. And every time it's like this really big build of uh, like my hypertension's through the roof every time. <laughs> Because I'm so it's excited. <laughs> it's been too long. Yeah, I'm really excited. One of these days we'll move to, uh, you know, every single week, but we're scaling up. We're getting better. Obviously, you can see That's from right. episode one to two, we're making lots of improvements. So um, big thanks to Bitcoin Live guys for producing the show. Um, and let's dive in. Um, a lot of people these days hear about what is Web3. Uh, if you scroll through Twitter, you know, look at in, even headlines in mainstream media, Web3 is a term that's slung around all the time, you know. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, although I will say, you know, from the like semi outsiders perspective, Web3 doesn't get talked about as much as you guys think it does. Um, so let's not forget that there is still an adoption uh, equation going on here. Uh, that oh, yeah. we're, we have to explain what it is before people can actually start talking about what it is. For sure. And like if I were to just like ask most people, you know, if you have heard of Web3, first of all, probably you're right. You average person hasn't heard of like what Web3 is. Um, but if you have heard of it, I, you know, people that I talk to, they throw out terms like, oh, yeah, like that's like NFTs. Right. Or, you know, that's that DeFi stuff that I've heard about or those meme coins. Right. Or stuff like that. Um, and that's all kind of valid. All of those things fall underneath Web3. Um, and I think that's a lot of great gingerly episode content that we can dive into. But what I wanted to do today is just kind of have a discussion about what Web3 actually is from like a high level. We can talk about various aspects of it, but I really kind of want to go back in history and kind of walk through like Web 1 and 2 first to kind of give our listeners an idea of where we've come from, like what the Internet used to look like to um, where it looked like when we were growing up, right, to the mid 2000s. To now where we're moving now and how web3 impacts that uh, oh, that sounds awesome um actually i was thinking um i might be able to do uh some of the intro for web one um yeah. 
because that's actually, you know, going through web one and getting into web two is kind of what I know a little bit about. So why yeah. don't I do that? And then you can correct me, fill in the gaps where my knowledge sure. isn't sufficient. Sound good? Before we dive, yeah, before we dive in, I want to just say, like, I have a resource that I uh, prepped Nick with. Um, when I say web three is much more than just NFTs or DeFi or anything like that, um, that means a lot. So Nick, if you wouldn't mind throwing up that first image, um, not just NFTs. Um, for Web3. Essentially, uh, this image shows a view of the NFT ecosystem. Um, big thanks to my friend Xerox Minion on Twitter for putting this together. But look at this. I mean, it's so small on screen, you can barely see it. We'll link it in the description so people can go look at the actual image. But this is just one person's research on just the NFT Fi or like the NFT ecosystem in Web3 right now. Tons of companies that are in here doing stuff. Um, and it's not just DeFi either. You can make the same chart with DeFi organizations or decentralized finance. So we're not going to get this granular right in this episode. We're going to look at NFTs and DeFi later. Um, like I think a great, so we'll let you start off with an intro to web one. Um, and then we can move on to the ethereum.org uh, resource that I've got that kind of gives a full overlay. Um, but so yeah, that's perfect. Off. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay. So the history of web one, web one, the big thing that we want to make sure we point out about the essence of what actually was web one is this the initial instance of the internet and it was read only. So essentially is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, essentially sure. is a big catalog of, uh, resources just like a library would have you know a card catalog uh we just figured out a way to make that card catalog digital uh and then have digital things on the other side of that that somebody yeah. had typed up or uh maybe as a piece of code or something that would run but it's still only uh you can look it up in the index and find it and then read it that's all Re web one was so it, uh for those people who are not super tech savvy this is back when you had like map quest uh, and you would look up directions and in order to like zoom out the map you would have to refresh the whole page right that's because it's actually having to go back to that index again get that whole new list of information and then bring that back to you so something like MapQuest would be like one of the most interactive things that you would be able to do like most of the time it would just be like you said the word catalog and it immediately made me think of like, you know, the old JCPenney and Sears like catalogs that used to be shipped oh, out yeah, to people yeah. every year. So that's kind of like what Web1 was. It was taking those big clunky like physical print things that people used to use as a resource and just put it online so that it was more accessible, less cost. I like this stuff. Right. Which is a huge amount of connectivity. Like, let's oh, not yeah. denigrate how big of an accomplishment that was. I mean, the fact that, you know, my parents still have like a full rack of uh, encyclopedias at our house, but it, it's such a like archaic thing now to see, which I still think they're valuable because like, you know, oh, if everything yeah. hits the fan, so to speak, um, I still want to have, you know, that information at my fingertips. And I also like the smell of books. The valuable right. in that but now we're actually moving into way beyond what web one was the big step and this is one of my favorite web related stories actually have you ever heard of sammy Kamkar? i've heard the name but um for our viewers okay. who haven't you should dive in for a little bit so the the thing that i thought was so cool about the transition from web one to web two 
when I first heard about it because I felt super special when I first heard about it. It, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, I knew something like specially secret about the Internet and how it works uh, right. was because most people don't know that we're we have been running Web2 uh, if you're not if you don't run in circles of devs or whatever. Uh, no, most people don't care. So uh, everybody remembers MySpace. Then uh, some people actually remember these T-shirts that eventually went around that said, Sammy is my hero on the T-shirt. Do you remember those? Yeah, totally. Yep. Okay, okay, cool. So the reason that <laughs> Sammy is my hero became so popular was actually because of a worm that a gentleman by the name of Sammy Kamkar wrote. Uh, and a worm is just a little piece of code. And because of the way that Web1 works, he was able to actually um, inject this code into people's MySpace pages. Well, accidentally, he it blows up like crazy overnight. It, and this was, according to him, this was unintentional. But he ended up actually shutting down MySpace after like a 24-hour period or something, which at the time was the biggest website on the internet. Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, it was that much of a big deal. It was like him shutting down Amazon, Google, and Facebook all at the same time for those right. days. Right. Uh, so obviously, he got in crazy amounts of trouble for this. Um, I don't think he was allowed to touch a computer for three years or something. Um, but that exploit was actually specifically what started the cascade of events that led to the development of Web2 yeah. was him shutting down MySpace because they're like, oh, my gosh, like this is a massive hole in the infrastructure that we're using to do business and, you know, right. e-commerce and all this stuff. So that came out with the uh, eventual advent of Web2, all because uh, a white hat hacker oh, was God. messing around. Uh, with a computer because he liked to make like counter-strike mods or something yeah yeah no totally i mean that's it's amazing how that works in internet history usually it's some just yeah. small meme something kind of almost that blows up um but no that's a great so that's a great point uh, or a great great transition from web one to web two uh nick if you wouldn't mind pulling out that ethereum.org summary um for those of you who are watching whenever this is uh in a video format we'll have this linked in the in the description below i found this very helpful in terms of just reviewing what Web 3 is from a history perspective. So they go through and they look at Web 1, 2, and 3. Uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind scrolling down just a smidge, Nick, there you go. So yeah, Web 1, 1990 through 2004. Um, and then what Style Pigeon's describing 2004 through arguably the present, although we could say, you know, we're moving to Web 3, is the Web mm -hmm. 2 era. Um, and so just put super simply, when I say Web one, yeah, I think read only, right, for the internet. Web two is read and write functionality. So um, diving into this a little bit more, like personal blogs was a big deal back then. You know, like people couldn't actually just go and write. I mean, Reddit, MySpace, these things, these platforms that allowed users to share their own life with other people was the big move of Web two. Like to the Sammy point, right? It was a user inputted mm -hmm. thing that ended up affecting the entire internet. And it was kind of right. like the welcoming of consumers into the internet, right? It wasn't just big corporate people or, or people who knew how to code throwing up these databases and you know static pages. Now people can log onto the internet and actually participate. Um, and since I'm yeah. a big UFC fan, I've been reminded of this recently. Me and my wife are watching through a lot of old UFC back in the early, early 2000s. So we just finished 2005. And it was really cool because just all of a sudden they started advertising their uh, new website that you could actually go and interact with. Because previously it was just the schedule, right? You could log on. And right, right. See, it's okay, just a page. 
Exactly. But then UFC.TV provided forums. And then like literally Joe Rogan used to spend, he even said he would spend hours on this forum just talking crap <laughs> with MMA people about what's coming yeah. up. So that's a great way to think about Web2. It's like user inputted participation into the system. Yeah, so web one, read only. Web two, you can read and write. So there's an interactive quality to that internet. But I did want to point something out that uh, it wasn't necessarily exactly what you mentioned, but it's crazy to me as we talk about the history of this, how the internet itself, like that technology, almost seems to make Bitcoin inevitable to me, mm. not, yeah. not to of Thanos, but it kind of <laughs> makes it inevitable because of the fact that the internet it was a decentralization motif to begin with. The whole mm -hmm. theory behind let's take information and go boom to right. everyone. Uh, that's decentralization. Then you have web two. Okay, now we're having information sharing be mm -hmm. decentralized to everyone. What if what if we were able to take that to the next scaffolding or the next level of scaffolding? What does that look like? So since you're the expert, why don't you go ahead and tell me what that next little bit of scaffolding uh, is probably going to look like now and into the near future? Yeah, for sure. So to answer that question, I think we should finish off the last chapter of Web2 because Ethereum.org yes, resource says, you know, it's 2004 through the present. Um, but I like I think that we're pretty much at the end of that. And it's for one major problem. Um, you said that the internet ended up being a sharing of information with everybody that's connected. Um, mm -hmm. And that introduced a major problem because it was both consumers and corporations that were able to share all this information. And unfortunately right. for us, the corporations realized really quickly that consumers are just willing to just give them their personal data that's as valuable to them as like oil is to the United States. You know what I mean? Because I, how do you think that when you're scrolling through Instagram or you're scrolling through Twitter and you thought of that trampoline cover that you saw while driving down the road and now you have an Instagram ad for it, you never said anything out loud, you never searched for it. It's because they've so completely bought up all of our personal data from this decentralized sharing that Web2 like has, right? Um, that unfortunately, since certain systems, like if you move down the layers, people say all the time, well, if you don't like, you know, um, the X social media platform, just move to something different or just create your own platform or something like that. Well, then mm -hmm. you move back a step to, well, okay, I don't have access to social media. You know, I want to create my own thing. So I create my own thing. Now you have to host it somewhere and who controls mm -hmm. the hosting like Amazon controls the hosting or like GoDaddy controls your domain. And so those corporations snatched up the ownership of the gateway to web two. So to, to participate, you have to buy, you know, de facto play by the accepted rules that have been created by the web to oligarchy, if you want to get, you know, complex here, but the, the large, I mean, it's no, it's no, no I mean, that is what an oligarchy is though, is they, yeah. they have the, the power, they have the resources to control what happens in reality. That's, that's what an oligarchy is. They, yeah. they rule through power and influence um, and things like web to uh, still allow uh, oligarchs to be on the rise. Right. And case in point, I think, you know, this last thing I'll say here is that this was very much illustrated to me a year or two ago, maybe about a year ago when Amazon web services was either ma maliciously attacked or um, had some sort of outage 
that caused them to be down for like six to eight hours. Like it was one of the longest periods of time that Amazon Web Services has been out that I know of. And um, since we so rely on Web2 and the, the connectivity by Internet of Things, like, you know, our phones connecting to our house to let us in, to control our temperature, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Amazon Web Services going down caused people to be locked into their office buildings that were controlled by Alexa-powered devices that they couldn't access. And they were literally locked into buildings. So it's like that's kind of the completion of Web2 like needing a transition, right, to, to the right. next thing. And it's very obvious, but the resistance has been much stouter. Boom. Thank you, Nick. I, this is why we, we have a Bitcoin live show because of speedy resources like this. Yeah. So go check out <laughs> this, this story and you can see what I'm talking about. I, I remember seeing on Twitter, literally some of my crypto Twitter friends were like actually locked into their houses or, or into their office buildings because this all went down. Um, but so then as you kind of set up, we need a solution, right? We need to move forward. Web two moved to web one or web one moved to web two because we realized we have to have consumer input. Now we're realizing through all of the fraud and the information theft and all the bots that are all over Twitter. Why are there so many bots? Because they want to harvest your data. So the proposed solution with Bitcoin and with Web3 things like NFTs and DeFi is we, the consumers, take the control back of that information as if we own everything. It's like our data. I, I really, man, it, it really stinks that we have to talk about it in these terms. Like I'm, I, okay. So I'm against violence. I, I don't like violence. Um, violence is something that's marred human history for forever. Um, but, and I really wish that it could go away. I wish I'm one of the people that like, I just want us all to get along and yeah. treat each other right and be as good a people as we can be. And it, it's really unfortunate to me that we always have to talk about this in revolutionary terms mm. but it's it's what's happening um in in order for us to reclaim that lost territory we will actually have to fight for it i hope not violently i hope that we can fight with you know via the law and um actually ownership property ownership is what's so crucial to me right. is you know the government can't control everything and still claim that we have freedom. Right. No, yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. So so that's a great point. And that that kind of moves us towards what Web3 is, which is taking back ownership of data through blockchain services. I know blockchain is a, I don't know, like hype word that a lot of people kind of just roll their eyes at when they hear it. But the reality is, is that it's one of the few technologies that allows us to cryptographically prove that one person has complete control over the asset in question. And because Web3, or excuse me, because blockchain and cryptocurrency have been growing just as fast as the internet have, it's not just transacting cryptocurrency anymore. We figured out that like through NFTs, like you can have a profile picture that's tied to you that you like, you know, completely own. But taking that a step further, we can integrate that sort of technology into a governmental database that's your ID and you wouldn't have to rely on a government agency to provide you your ID because your ID is verifiably owned by you in this particular place. And all you have to do is cryptographically sign a message that says, yeah, I control all this data without having to give up control of the data. 
that's the cool part about Web3 is that it allows those people like us consumers who just want to like operate in the broader economy to be able to participate through monetary payments, through ID prov provision without actually giving up that data to a third party. So now we we mentioned like small um, but very important benefits and whatnot. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Can you give me like what's what's your um, go to use case for people who are going, well, I don't know about this Web3 thing, man. Yeah, I mean, so I think the easiest one that's easy to just kind of wrap your head around the convenience of is healthcare. Um, okay. let's, let's say for a second that, um, you know, we all, a lot of us are moving towards mobile based, you know, identity solutions, um, payment methods, that sort of thing. So it's not out of the ordinary to tell someone like, you know, I mean, you show a QR code and you scan your phone and, you know, Starbucks knows that it's you and they add their loyalty points kind of thing. What if, so the healthcare system is super confusing. No doctor really has your complete records unless you go to the other doctor and request that they send your records over here. And then this doctor makes changes that may not get uploaded to that other doctor's place. And it's just this big hassle um, all the time. What if you had a solution where you had all that information, all your private health history is in one little app on your phone that you control it has a fingerprint password or just a normal password. You scan it when you're at the doctor and all of the relevant information that that doctor needs can be pulled from your health history without you actually having to relinquish control or like submit paperwork to that doctor. It's something that you grant permission to that can then be revoked afterwards. And I think that might be the most important key when you're first thinking about Web3 is the revocation aspect, right? Because yeah. right yeah. now you can't say, I want my data back from like anybody. Right. 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 Once it's gone, it's gone. That's yeah. that's why I personally that's why I'm showing my face, actually, because <laughs> <laughs> like I, I thought about kind of doing some an anonymous anonymization type mm -hmm. something or other, uh, whereas wearing a mask or something like that. Um, and before I realized I was just trying to be cool. Um, yeah. But it's like it's gone. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. If you want to know what I look like, you're going to figure it out pretty easily. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's the root problem that Web3 aims to solve. Um, and I think that a lot of people kind of just ignore that and they dive into like, oh, Web3 is a scam because of NFTs, because of shit coins, because of DeFi and all this kind of stuff. But it's like, no, like Web3 in and of itself is a way that humans interact with the internet. It's not about mm -hmm. crypto and it's not about blockchain. It's about upgrading the way that we do life digitally and to the individual person, if you just said, would it be nice if there were no bots, if there were no spam, if you didn't have to like give your email address to everybody every time you check out at some random store, if you weren't tried to force to like get a credit card every time you go to Sears or like Macy's or whatever, you know what I mean? I'm dating myself a little bit, but you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, I, so all of that could be a thing of the past if we just figure out the correct path forward with web three. And I think it might take a MySpace worm event like you were talking about at the beginning. That's the catalyst for this because this stuff exists. But as you said at the beginning of the episode, adoption is kind of the problem, right? Like yeah. most people just aren't aware of this and it's going to take something that blows up to get people on, on the right page, I think. So I, I see two major inlets to genuine adoption of web three. 
Um, the, the first of which is a philosophical inlet, uh, which I can talk about a little bit, but the other one is actually the financial inlet. Um, so with, you know, you're talking about the MySpace event or the Sammy is my hero event for web three. I think that cryptocurrencies have started to drive some of that, but one of the things that needs to happen is unfortunately, and I, I wish to God this didn't have to happen but i think that some of the fiat is gonna start having some real real big problems um coming up soon now not a financial advisor and genuinely don't know what i'm talking about but that seems to be what's going to happen that leads to all of this web3 finance then that finance seems like it's going to be able to feed back into web3 as a whole just to kind of give it some legs so to speak uh, does that sound like is that what yeah, you yeah. think is probably going to go down? Absolutely. But one thing that I, I think is a major like asterisk caveat to what you just said is that mm -hmm. corporations have incredible advantage and control in a Web2 circumstance. And mm -hmm. something that I see as a crypto expert, it, uh, expert, I don't, I don't even like using that word, a crypto nerd. I study it a lot. Don't understand Enthusiast. it. Enthusiast. Enthusiast. There you go. Um, web three people like NFTs and, and stuff like that, crypto, they're trying to like copy web two systems with web three mechanisms. Mm -hmm. What I mean is they're trying to retain control of their audience's data in super unhealthy ways that essentially causes web three systems to fail. So why do you think yep. that we see hacks all the time in web three? Why do you think that these people are making off with hundreds of millions of dollars worth of crypto and NFTs? For what I just said, the founders are human, they're selfish, they want the money, right? And so they, and the money is in not just selling the crypto, but also in exploiting the data, especially the private seeds of their customers. So that's where we're at right now. And that's why Web3 has such a bad reputation, I think. Yeah, I mean, it does have a bad reputation. Actually, uh, I've shared some stuff on Twitter uh, that I know that you saw with a, a YouTuber that I actually really like, and sorry, Nick, I didn't uh, anticipate us <laughs> pulling this up, but um, the gentleman's name is Jazza, J-A-Z-Z-A, and he does awesome art content. I love his art content because uh, I do the NFT art and stuff on the side. Um, he does wonderful content, but he did do an episode digging into NFTs where um, he, he did some really, really surface level research and I think watched a documentary or something. And uh, then kind of came out and was like, well, I don't know about these NFT things, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I really, it was one of those moments, just like when I listen to Joe Rogan or somebody where I want to be in the room at some point. I was like, man, yeah. if I, I just, like, there's this three line thing that I want to say that would change this conversation completely. And I couldn't be in the room because he doesn't know who I am. Yeah. I mean, well, hey, maybe that'll change one of these days. Jazza, if you're watching, we're gonna we're gonna make, <laughs> think up with you and talk about NFTs. <laughs> oh, I mentioned I mentioned him on the show. I'm definitely tweeting him after this to be Heck like, yeah. we're gonna teach you about NFTs. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I would welcome that. It'd be super fun to like have someone in that, you know, I mean, is opposed, you know. I love those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean that's so that's a great example because it gets back to the very beginning point that I had, which was when you say web three, most people think NFTs. You know, and they immediately write it off because they're like, oh, mm -hmm. it's just some big, it's a JPEG, right? That's all. And we can talk about how NFTs are not JPEGs only in a future episode. But, but.
but we're you're missing the whole point, right? If you go to someone and you're like, okay, let's forget about NFTs for just a second. We're still talking about Web3. Wouldn't it be nice if you could control all of your own personal information, not just about, I haven't even talked about your own financial information. Do you really think that central banks are not sharing your data with everybody? There, they, there is no incentive for them not to share your data. There's money there. Um, and unfortunately, yeah. the government is severely lacking when it comes to laws about you know, data breaches. At this point, it's just slaps on the wrist and small monetary fines. And banks like, I mean, Wells Fargo gets slapped on the wrist yearly. So does JP Morgan. I mean, Bank of America does too. They get these hundreds of millions to billion dollar fines for, oh, you leaked all your customers' information. Don't do that. And then, you know, they're still being loaned money and we're still in this perpetrated system. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I wish that people would come at it at that angle. Um, to start off with, uh, but I understand why people go after NFTs instead. Um, yeah, there we go. Here's a great look at this. Thank you, Nick. This is just over the last couple months, but it's constant. I mean, it's constant. And this is the this right here is the state of Web two, ladies and gentlemen. What you're seeing is all of your data, all of your sensitive information, and in some cases, even your money. Like it just siphoned off and then it's gone, right? So, um, like Pigeon said. Bitcoin is like a precursor to a new era of privacy um, because it, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto realized what was happening in 2008. And we're seeing a, a recurrence of that exact same situation right now, unfortunately. Like you said, with the fiat thing, um, yeah. I was just I was just recently, this, this morning, I was reading a, a piece, um, and no pressure to find this, Nick. I know it's super niche, but like essentially there was uh, multiple groups of hotels in the in the EU that go into the government saying, hey, look, our energy costs were 44K annually last year. This year, they're projected to be like 160K. And we can't we can't pass that cost on to our consumers because all of these people are already struggling. I mean, inflation's real for me even, you know, like my grocery costs have more than doubled in the last couple months. Um, and these hotels are like, we understand that. We, we're going to go out of business if you, the government, don't do something. And what do you think they're going to do? They're just going to print more money, right? So, right. Without, well, they don't have any actual recourse to no. fix what's going on. No. Yeah. I mean, we've dug it, we're digging into a hole. And at this point, you got to keep, just keep digging, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I do hope, like you, you said earlier, you know, it's a shame that um, these things tend to be more revolutionary. I, and I yeah. agree. Um, but then I also point back to things like you said, the Sammy is my hero thing. Um, web web two like was that like revolutionary i mean not like a lot of people were harmed necessarily from one perspective you know um 2000 the early 2000s were not the best financial times but if you're looking back compared to now we're like wow like that was pretty good right <laughs> so so a transition from web one to web two kind of went better than i would have expected if i was in the midst of it having this conversation back then you know yeah um and so maybe you oh, know yeah maybe we'll be in a better place. Like maybe someone like El Salvador or um, I don't know who's going to do it. I mean, Germany's in a pretty rough place. Uh, somebody's got to step up as a country or even a state or something like that and just say, we care about our citizens. We're going to move to this model where they control their data. And that's a very different branch off than we're going to create a centralized or a centralized bank digital currency that the state controls, because that's like, 
that's cutting all that's of the, the good opposite. part about Web3 and then turning it into like a dictator, complete control kind of situation. Yeah, that's the exact opposite of what we want. That's that's yeah. literally the antithesis of what we're trying to accomplish with Web3. Um, that's that's actually something that really, really scares me. Um, I don't want to get involved in that at all because yeah. it, it just it's like a Kurt Vonnegut short story you know like yeah it's so dark to think about and, and it's like or orwell would be rolling over in his grave uh, watching is. some of the stuff that's happening um yeah. but yeah anyway un sorry unfortunate it happens in, it's happening in china right now like these yeah exactly the, the systems we're, we're talking it. about in fear like currently exist so it's only a matter of time before we're challenged in like either going that direction or pushing back and going in more of a consumer focus like citizen focus way that actually brings me back to the um the philosophical advent of web3 um so i i have a degree in linguistics and something that comes along with linguistics is the topic of semantics or well, like what words actually mean and as you get into semantics that's borders a topic called semiotics, which is the meaning of things or objects or ideas in general, as opposed to just with being restricted to language. And uh, semiotics is a field that I think should be uh, talked about a, a lot more. Um, Umberto Eco is actually a really popular semiotician um, who did a lot of really interesting work specifically in regards to language. Uh, I just asked Nick to go ahead and pull up a, a an example of his book uh, or one of his books. He's written many. Uh, this is one of the more canonical ones on uh, semiotics specifically. But the reason that this is so relevant is because understanding what the things around you mean is actually one of the most helpful ways that you can get out of the cycle of simply being told what to think or what's real. And what's happening right now that web three is going to help us with significantly is by allowing us to call things what they actually are not what somebody else wants us to think that they are because mm. that's the difference between us owning property and us not owning property if if i can point at a piece of land and say that this belongs to me i get to do what i want to right here now we all agree as a nation in the US in our case, right? The There are certain things you can't do, even if it is yours, right? You can't murder people on that land. You can't, um, you know, make nuclear bombs on that land. You just can't, okay? This is good for society as a whole. We're gonna try to head off some of those really big mistakes. But other than that, generally in a, a free society, we should be able to do what we want to. Um, at the very least, there shouldn't be somebody who tells me, no, you can't cut your grass that way. Uh, there's certain, there's a line in there somewhere. And if we don't think about and really concentrate on what those things mean in the same way that Umberto Eco, uh, explores in a lot of his writings, he actually also wrote a book, um, it was called, I think it's called on, on beauty. And he did another called on ugliness, uh, that actually goes back uh, over the history of art uh, or visual art specifically and uh, talks about how these ideas have developed and what they actually mean to human beings. And it's a wonderful topic to dive into, especially when we're trying to understand these really heady concepts like what is Web3. Um, I really, really like being able to incorporate some of that in there as well. Uh, and also want to mention 
on truth and lies in a non yeah this is the uh, on beauty um it's an excellent exploration it's a lot of a lot of it's visual but i highly encourage anybody who's interested in things like web3 to also don't don't be afraid to open your uh reading habits outside of that a little bit because all of these ideas stack on top of each other we're not just talking about technology we're also talking about ideas and we're talking about technology and ideas at the same time they're in the same exact place this is the kind of stuff that uh, the founding forefathers actually did in the French parlors before they came up with the idea of the constitution, right? That's, yep. I know it sounds super narcissistic for me to say something like that. And I'm sure that I'm not the one that's going to come up with the brilliant ideas, but if I can be involved in pushing brilliant people to come up with those brilliant ideas, then I'll be the cheerleader that I'm totally cool with that level of involvement, um, and trying to, you know, follow along. Uh, so this is a, Another, this is actually an essay written by Friedrich Nietzsche um, that's all about the ideas and things that have actually led up to what Web3 is. Mm. Um, and like democracy, I guess you could say. Uh, he actually goes into great detail in this wonderful essay about where language comes from specifically. And language, I think, actually comes from a very similar place that Web3 is going to come from because uh, it's, it actually discusses the uh, legislative quality of language. And eventually we're going to have this legislative quality integrated somehow with our technological aspects on, on the Internet, right? So if we can somehow bridge that gap here, I think that that takes Web3 and makes it, oh, this cute little technology, and that's what the ideas that are going to be layered on top of it are what makes it the massive revolutionarily scaled technology that we want it to be. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Well, yeah. No, I mean, that down off great. the soapbox. That was great. I mean, that was also like a good overview of what we want to accomplish with gingerly. Right. So my whole thing when people ask me, Oh, what your show is about? Like I cleverly say we want to gingerly introduce people to concepts they should be thinking about with crypto NFTs, web three, all that good stuff. So we hope that if you're watching, uh, when you watch, hopefully like you're getting started or maybe you've been in crypto for a little while um, and you want to dig your teeth in more, you want to learn some more stuff. Our goal is to present ideas that you should be thinking about that maybe you can take back and apply to your job or what you're working on in your project. And we want to supply you guys with lots of resources that you'll be able to use to DYOR, do your own research, uh, research. <laughs> um, dive in, you know, um, and, and get to know the field better because it's people like you who are watching that are going to make Web3 into what it should be, into the privacy, you know, philosophically strong, like move from Web2 that we desperately need. Um, so, I yeah, completely I mean, I'm, agree. I'm really like, happy we, to be here. We can cheerlead as much as we want, but it's actually ultimately the listeners, the people who uh, are going to drive this adoption. If nobody adopts it then you know it's not going to work just like chainsaws right <laughs> sorry uh <laughs> that, that the, i know so, what you're talking about i did yeah, some logging uh for a little while i was involved in like trail building and i'm, I'm game of logging certified uh with a chainsaw um through sword and erickson or whatever the game of logging school um and <laughs> when chainsaws first came about everybody's like this is a horrible idea uh because at the time you couldn't run gas powered anything on like blm land in the u.s mm, like you, right. you just couldn't take them back into the backwoods with you because also chainsaws were like the size of a truck right, right. so 
<laughs> so all of the old school loggers were like, I'm good with my cross cut, my axe. Thanks, buddy. Uh, but now, obviously, everybody uses a chainsaw um, anywhere where it's that, legal. I mean, that's a great analogy. That's a super great analogy. It's like mobile phones, you know, like or, or even the <laughs> Internet itself. There's a famous um, Good Morning America video uh, in 1994 of the anchors being like, now, what is this Internet thing? And they're like, I oh, think nice. you can maybe send messages or something. You know, like I don't it sounds like a fad. And now here we are. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, the future is up to you people. <laughs> We're here with you. You know, we want to support everybody. Um, and I guess kind of to wrap it all up, I have one final resource um, that I want to leave you guys with that you can go read and maybe give us some feedback. Like when you see uh, our, our stream under Twitter or on YouTube, um, comment and let us know like what you think. So Forbes did an excellent piece. It's entitled Web3 will make or break social media. And when you think about what we've talked about today, about taking that ownership back, you can understand how social media giants like Zuckerberg and like Twitter and all these people are scared of Web3 because it takes away their profit mechanisms, right? Like it's they, they make money off of our data. Um, and this piece does a great job about not necessarily taking a side, but just examining the data um, and then kind of leaving it up to you. Like, what do you think? Um, so we'd love to hear from you if you have comments or feedback about that article uh, on your own opinion about where you think web three will go or even some crazy niche, like new way that you think web three will change, you know, the future. Cause it's not just about social media. It's not just about, you know, money. It's a lot about a lot more than that. So um, we'd love to hear from you. Definitely read up on the resources that we've provided. Um, and that's about all I got. Style pigeon, anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Oh, the other thing you should comment on, by the way, is all of the new graphics and stuff. The intro, yeah. um, <laughs> spoiler alert, you're going to get to see an outro video section too. So we're super excited about it. We're super happy with the work that's been done. Uh, we're trying our best to bring you guys a show that's entertaining as well as informative. Um, so hang in there with us and we're going to get this thing right and uh, teach you a little bit about Web3. And um, if you want to uh, mention... Uh, a couple sponsors or something as well. Oh yeah, John, no, absolutely. Do that. Yeah, I can wrap this up. So um, we are a bi-weekly show. So you'll be seeing us again in two weeks from now. Hopefully we want to make that weekly, but um, we are gingerly a Bitcoin live show. Big thanks to Bitcoin live team for producing and getting all these awesome resources up for us. Super great. Uh, we're sponsored by Roundly X, uh, the acorns of cryptocurrency. You can round up your purchases into whatever crypto and digital currency you like. I'm Purple Suede. This is Style I'm Pigeon. I'm Style Pigeon. And, oh, uh, we almost hit it. We, we almost did it perfectly. Next time. Next time. All right. Well, <laughs> appreciate you guys. Hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thanks.